0: Hi, I'm Dan Higginson, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Idle Hands podcast, where we hope to discuss and learn more about effective creative process. I'm joined today by the man struggling to come to terms with the fact that he might be more of an artist than a photographer, Paul Bents.
1: Good evening, good evening.
0: <laughs> like the little chuckle. And curator of document in Britain and photo archaeologist, Chloe Juno. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? We were just having a chat off air, weren't we, about mm. all the different hats you wear and the uh, curation you do and the fact that you used to run exi- uh, exhibitions and your current what's the photo project called the someone's rubbish
2: so I've been taking photographs for five years daily photos and sharing them on Instagram it's a bit of an addiction actually now I would say I look back at it at the moment and think I've been doing that it's kind of strange mm-hmm. um, a strange feeling but it's grown I think it's became addictive because it was like a jigsaw I was starting to feel that things images were connecting with other images so that kind of got me hooked
0: how long did it take for images to start connecting? Because there must have been a bit where you had the energy just to keep going before stuff started to connect up.
2: Um, I would say over the last two years, I've really started to feel like it was growing into something. And and then when I also when I started to play around with, um, like putting the images into grids and looking at the, um, images that linked with other other images, and realising that I must have been making connections when I was outside taking photos. You know, seeing something, remembering something I photographed a few weeks back, and how it might relate to that. And I actually also thinking about it. This is a little way back, but when um, the um, you have to help me out here, guys. But the big thing, Brexit. What happened in two thousand and the referendum? <laughs> the referendum yeah, to, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also noticed as well. So I photograph all kinds of things on the street and I noticed lots of like political leaflets and I've just been realising that you can sort of follow our everyday life, but also the the underbelly and the political things that are going on as well with all the detritus that gets thrown out and like capture. That was the one thing that was one thing that started to um when I was starting to put the puzzle together, really. I could see.
0: Particularly in Brighton, it's a bit of a hotbed for it, isn't
2: it? Yeah, definitely. And also when lockdown happened as well, like um someone said to me, You should go out and photograph all the um like loads and loads of masks. Go and look for all the masks. Why don't you do that? And I was thinking, well, I have photographed a couple of masks, but I'm not sure. I wanted just to carry on having the masks included with everything else because it was about the overall picture and not just like me running around intentionally finding a set kind of thing. So and I also oh it was harder in lockdown because there wasn't so much Around, so I was walking and walking further and further to look for things. It was actually a really good distraction for, I guess, for my mind as well in lockdown, being able to walk and take pictures. There weren't that many people out taking photos. It was, yeah. So I think, what was the question anyway? I went off on a.
0: Oh, I don't think the uh, question is as important as the journey, to be honest with you, Carly. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, so no, so, um but there, there was a take me back to the beginning then to the
0: point that I was. Um, so let's explore a little bit further back in the beginning. Then, so was you always creative? Was this something you did as a kid?
2: Yeah, I guess. Well, um, I mean, I mentioned earlier on that I'm dyslexic, so I really I loved things, you know, art at school and stuff. But I had a really I had a tr- tough time at school because I was dyslexic. I mean, I in secondary school, I'd say in the third year of school, I literally it's
0: so tough, isn't it?
2: Switched off and stopped going in, and found that you know well, I just decided that I wanted to be a hairdresser and, you know, and it was just much easier. And then I sort of stopped going in as much towards the end. I didn't sit my GCSEs and um decided that, yeah, being a hairdresser. And then I discovered a big nightlife in Brighton. So it was like hairdressing raves. And that was pretty much it for a couple of years. Um And then I kind of thought like, hang on, this isn't, when you when I was just seeing the people around me in my hometown I was thinking there's more that I want to go and do than um than than this so I thought well maybe I just need to get out of the town and because I didn't have any GCSEs and stuff I thought well I just need to what can I do you know I needed to work so then I traveled and became um an au pair in Italy and Germany and then when this is like short 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 very long story but it's kind of short then I ended up in um Sicily had a really kind of like I suppose you guess you could say like I sort of found myself there in a way because we had a lot of hassle over there. We worked with some horrible families. I went over there with a friend. Um, we ended up getting um, having to leave our families because that one of them was abusive. We ended up getting helped by some students and we ended up going back to th- living with them for a bit. They had zero money. They were really struggling and they were architectural students. And that was a moment when I thought to myself, I could um Oh, I had just so much back home and I knew I could do so much more. And I and I just was inspired by the fact that they studied. that I came back to England and enrolled on what well, I found in a, an advert, in a local paper, uh, an advert for an access course in media production. And I think it was like they were trialing it at a college. So um, that's where I'd say, like, I knew I was creative. I've got, in a sense, I've got a very creative family, interior designer. M- my mum's an interior designer. Everyone else went to art school. I've, right. It was kind of there. But um, it was on the Access course, which I discovered my love of photography. Um, I had really good teachers there. Like uh, one lady picked up I was dyslexic. Um, I'd say she became kind of a bit like a mentor, really. She got me to university.
0: Was that when you were diagnosed as dyslexic?
2: Um, At that that point? At the Access course. So I was 20, 20, 21, yeah.
0: Did finding out you were dyslexic feel like uh, lots of puzzle pieces fitting into place?
2: Yeah, it did. It really did. But I would also say that... um, like even growing up like go, going to study and then even in the work world, you're still learning and evolving as a dyslexic in the work world i think like um you had I had all the support, say to get to university and college, but then, as soon as I sort of went out to work on that's another long story, but I ended up working on newspapers and picture desks and working in the corporate environment, you're then again having to reassess because years i mean there might be more support now for people in the workplace. But there wasn't really, I'd say, about ten years ago. Well, personally, for me,
0: yeah, my other um, half, Tanya, she's um, she runs the art department at a school, and I think yeah. the the help now that kids get the the diagnosis that I guess the, the three of us probably would have been missing when we were at a school. Like yeah. they get that now, and it's spotted really early, and they're kind oh. of helped, and they're giving they given ways of coping. Mm. My daughter, she'll hate me for telling this this week, so um... I
1: can cut it out. <laughs> She's she's eight and uh, uh we basically got a call from the school, I don't know, one day last week and we're like, oh no, oh no. And then like I I've got the fear that she might have ADHD already. Like I've seen I've watched her grow up and I've seen this little just little notes to it where but the school is on it like they were like, Okay, we're gonna basically help Rosa and it's just a state school at the end of the road and it's it's just Amazed me how aware they were, I suppose. Where for me, I didn't get diagnosed, until I was 40 with ADHD. Oh, which, wow. Which was like kind of like, oh my God, my whole life, you know. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like real. And it's, it's helped so much. And I didn't think it would. I didn't, I've not taken any medication, but I, just realizing that I'm not a complete dickhead, you know, there is, there is, re- <laughs> there is a reason for it. There is <laughs>
2: It does. When you start talking about it more, and I think um, I was saying to someone else that I work with, why don't you just tell people that that's the case, that the ADHD, like a li- li- little bit reluctant. And I was thinking, well, sometimes it also makes, I don't know, it just kind of it can make it easier for yourself. And it's kind of empowering, too. And people I, take more time.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely feel it really empowered. It's amazing, isn't it? And I, I don't, like, I think people... Um, you know, these idea of labels and, and whether they're important or whether it makes a difference to your life. I, I, I'm not sure. Like, do you think, do you think having the diagnosis helped or do you think, like for me, I'm not, I'm still, it helped in one way that it allowed me to realize that maybe some of the mistakes I had made growing up weren't actually to do with me. It was more to do with the way my brain works, you know, and maybe that's me as well, but, but right. I, I, it, it, it's just helped me because it's, there's a great analogy of what, what it's like is that imagine you're walking through Waterloo station and each one of those on a really busy rush hour morning and each one of those person is a thought and it's like you're walking through those and it coming at you like at a, at a thousand miles an hour and that's kind of what it's like and it, as I got older it's, it's been much more like easier to manage but yeah. but when I, when I had the diagnosis um, apparently something that all ADHD people do is smoke weed to, to manage and I, I like I did but yeah. I but I never realized I was kind of self-medicating
2: uh-huh. and
1: t- until that point
2: that's mad that there's a description of all the information that you were yeah. coming at you yeah, yeah it just feels yeah. like it
1: and and it's your, your trust trying and and I was saying to my wife today it's, it's actually maybe sometimes it's not it's not actually being distracted it's trying to go back to what you were doing previously like so oh. I might be you know writing an email to somebody and then I'll get a, a notification on my phone to say that when things happen, I'll get there, and I can't. It's like really difficult to go back to what I was previously doing. Um, yeah, oh, I need to remember to stop
0: texting you then, Paul. For <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: I think that's the thing when I said earlier on about like, um, when I've been asked to say, um, present or do podcasts because of my memory, I've got short term memory dyslexia and my memory recall, and I think that always makes me so nervous because I'm like, as you were just mentioning, all the things that I do and like the experience that I like sometimes i can't remember even myself what i've done so some people might think well hang on a minute like you've done all this stuff so you know like in certain say corporate environments right that can be um confusing for people because they think well on one side she's doing all this stuff so she looks like she knows but then she can't remember you know the name of that feature or the maybe some of the contextual stuff but on it's the, the information for me kind of goes around in um it's all busy. It's all you know. It's all there. So like I a just big tumble to... dryer or something. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> you wear? Um, you
1: were, you were, sorry, Chloe, You you wear? Um, you know, quite a lot. Your photographer, curator, um, artist. Uh, mm. Is there one thing that you prefer? If you were, if you had to go on a desert island, would it be like? Would you take photography or would you take the curating? What what was was this one more? You know, fire burning so more brightly.
2: I originally started wanting to 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 be like a documentary photographer like when I was at college and I graduated that's definitely what I wanted to do um but then I ended up I did work experience at the Guardian and um I loved that so much like the photo editing um I that kind of I took that route the desk work and then learned about editing curating and it's always been a way for me also like we we're talking about the idea of having you know another job or your main job Um, I guess curating and photo editing has been like my main job and then um, while I was doing that a lot in London it was I lost all the time to take you know work on my own projects so I had a massive time amount of time where I didn't have yeah the time really I wasn't picking up my camera Um, then I stopped working at Reuters had some sort of a couple of years out literally not having anything to do with photography because some of the experience in the corporate world really I just was burnt out and it kind of really burnt me so I just Actually, the very thought of the photo world made my skin crawl, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I always had this passion for uh, pictures of everyday life and talking to people and oral history and street research. So I ended up, um, I was temping in Brighton after working at Reuters, working in all kinds of different places. And I ended up finding an opportunity to lead an oral history project where we were... We ended up actually um, interviewing lots of people who used to be in slum housing and I did lots of street photography and it ended up in a book and it was in a community studio. So it was so far removed from the corporate environment in Canary Wharf. It was absolutely like, it was almost like medicine for me. It was really good. And then I ended up um, thinking I want to start my own projects and work with photographers because throughout my career, I've met some amazing photographers and there's really lovely people. So when I say that I felt like you know, burnt, and it just made me feel icky. I also, I think I've taken all the good parts, yeah. the bad yeah. experiences and good experiences, and and um, lucky enough to have some key, a couple of key clients, some photographers that I work with, um, that have given me time as well to, I guess, to be to make my own work. I, I think my rabbit, my someone's rubbish project, has also fitted in with my life as well. I've always had to you know, I've got family and I've had to work and I've had to have something which I can fit in with it. So I feel like, um, yeah. And if you say, well, what one thing would I take? I guess I love taking photographs and disappearing into that moment of um, of a picture. But then I also love talking to photographers and um, looking at their work and talking about, you know, viewing view into other people's lives through their work and then ha- and the photographer's life and what's, it comes from them to be in their work. And I love sharing and kind of um, promoting stuff too. But I think I'm, that's also drawing from my experiences in first journalism agencies. So I don't know. I guess I probably would like to, to have a camera on a desert island because I could walk about mm. and just get lost taking yeah. pictures. So I think the other thing has been to earn money, but I absolutely love it too. You know, I've, I've always, I like, I'm generally very interested in other people's work. It's sort of just a feeling.
1: Can I, can I take you back to your picture desk days and, and ask mm-hmm. you, what what was your daily job? What was it involving? How, you know, I'm really interested just to know what, what that was like.
2: Um, well, do you mean, should we go way back to... I guess. What do you mean? Like the the day to day runnings of a kind of photo agency, and yeah, how, and uh,
1: how was it quite <laughs> stressful? I imagine it was quite a stressful job.
0: Yeah, I'm imagining like the the noir movies, as people with cigarettes and they're like arguing over the over the front hey, page. Hey Joe, you
1: can't, You not <laughs> Put this photo in.
2: <laughs>
0: well,
2: when I went did the work experience at the Guardian, that was really interesting because the um, it was just at the time when the picture desk was becoming digital. So this made me sound quite old, but. Um so I was lucky enough, I feel, to see well, it wasn't lucky in lucky in the sense for the photographers because they were quite sad, but their black and white dark room was being closed down. And they were all getting they were all given these huge new like canon digital cameras. And some of them were really embracing it, and others were feeling quite quite sad about the change. Um, so that was a, quite a good insight. But then from that, I ended up, what did I do? I was I worked as a freelance photo researcher. Working on um, lots of different picture picture desks, so hot desking, and that's how I built up my experience to end up then being a photo editor at a journalism agency. Um, which again, I got there at a time when they were in transition because of the, they 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 were an agency that didn't really kind of digitise quickly. So the, it was in a office. It was called Impact Photos, and it was in an office in Farringdon by near, I think it's is it Smith Smithfield Hospital? Yeah, Smithfield. Yeah. Smithfields. yeah. Um, And it was right at the top of this old, this building was full of, uh, you know, filing cabinets full of transparencies. There was a massive light box in the middle of the room and lots of pegs where they were probably um, years ago. Like there would be orders like picture desks and newspapers and magazines would order photos. And there'd be a a bit like menu cards stuck there. And you'd have to, all the researchers would have to go through all the files. But my job there was to look, to be kind of like a photographer liaison manager type person photo editing features selling features taking features to newspapers and magazines like bodies of work that photographers have done over like long form projects for like 10 or 15 years and try and sell them um i guess the way photo features are sold now it's slightly different but it was one thing i would say it was what i loved about working in the independent journalism agencies it was really kind of um you'd go out meet photographers You could have your own kind of music on. Um, It was a buzzy atmosphere. It was felt like a sort of um, it just felt like a. it was very busy and it was fast paced. But I was definitely there at a time when it was just changing. So it was struggling as well because it hadn't digitized as fast as, say, some of the other agencies. Like I think Panos still is still there. Panos, it survived. Um, I think there was an amazing agency called Network. That closed down, I guess. And then from there, I mean, I had my my daughter, so I stopped working for a bit. And then I started looking for work and I found work at Thomson Reuters. And then then on that, I would say, I was really, really excited. And it was, I thought to myself, this is going to be, you know, when you work really hard um, in an industry and you think, right, this is like a real... I became global pictures manager and I was like, this is really senior. and But for me, it felt quite cold because... um, i just found myself at a desk with huge screens no interaction with with people not in the same way not with photographers right it was just very different i i've never had any idea how that
1: industry operates or works and it's just i've always been curious as to how you know the day to day run-ins of it works so would you be given like a would you be given a story and you you've got photographers coming in saying you know i've shot or or, or are they given assignments, which way does it is, is it work
2: both ways? Well, this is the thing I suppose, like um, I've worked on the side where I've cr- worked in the agency. We created assignments. So we would commission photographers to go out and make work if we knew that um, potentially it was acquired by people. Um, then I've, as I mentioned earlier, I would, um, photographers would submit features and I would assess them and then potentially see if I could sell them. So I'd go and try and sell them to people. And, um, yeah so i've worked sort of full circle really do you think having that experience has helped
1: you in terms of, of presenting your own and work and, and getting it out to various media outlets i suppose does it, does it give you that knowledge of how that system runs
2: yeah i would say so it has done i for, for my personal project um rubbish it's slightly different because It's not, um, it's a documentary long form project. And I wouldn't say it's kind of like a sort of, I worked in um, first journalism news. It's not really that kind of, it could be used as a feature, but people have been placing it more as like documentary, a visual artist, this, you know, so I've something else at the moment where I'm thinking, where do I place what I'm doing? So I've just decided, I've decided not to think about it too much with someone's rubbish just to keep working on it. But yeah, I would say it has given me, Yes, it has helped me, it gets given me lots of knowledge, you know, for my work as um as you say Chloe Juno Hack, creative consultant, working with photographers. Um, I've got one client who I make um photo books with. So we've been doing self-publishing. We we submit his work um globally to festivals, newspapers, magazines. We're making them um, two interactive web documentaries and I'm editing all the photos for those. So I've been to, for the last two years going to interactive um, web dot festivals and conferences in Bristol, learning about that kind of stuff. So I think that all my photo editing days years ago. Yeah, no, it has. It's all um, it's all been useful.
1: You work with lots of photographers. Did like, is it, is it different, the relationship? You have, you have different relationships with different types of photographers? or Yeah,
2: is... I mean, I'd say one person I've worked with for a very long time is Alan Janou for Janou Photos. So he's been like somebody I've worked with for the last five years. I would say, and um, then I work with yeah different ones on small projects. Um, you know, like if they've got one small f- a photo essay they want some advice on, or then I work yeah. with arts organisations sometimes. And that project I mentioned in Brighton, and then I was involved in the I was a trustee on the gallery in Brighton, which I've stopped doing now, which I'm quite relieved. I think I was having t- too many hats. I felt like I was starting to spin too many plates,
0: spreading yourself a bit too thin. Yeah,
2: and um, this. Now, definitely, I'm starting to sort of shave things off and kind of read, look at what I've been working really hard on over the last five years and make and redirecting myself a bit.
1: Mm, interesting. So, can I talk to you a little bit about your curating role on um, Document in Britain?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Um, I so what like I've I've again I watched it for, a, for a, a good few years and I love I love how it's curated, I think it's a real. It feels really honest, I suppose, and it feels void of hyperbole, if you know what I mean. It kind mm-hmm. of a void of the sometimes there's noise and fanfare on Instagram. But it feels really, really honest when I look through the stream and this like the, your skills of finding people I've never heard of. And and <laughs> I just think it's, it's it's miraculous sometimes, you know. I just I'm looking through the stream and I'm like, I've never heard of this guy, but his work is amazing. What how, how do you decide what, what, what's good or what attracts you? Has it, has it grown? Has it changed over time, Matt?
2: Um It's a trick. I guess I go from a gut feeling. I just like something. And I feel like um, there's got, sometimes there's got to be something. So if you're talking about individual shots or like a whole feet, like a well, I, yeah. work from somebody. Um
0: I mean, I struggle to find anything on Instagram.
2: It's driving me crazy. To be honest, when you scroll through the feeds now, it's just all it does is suggest to you people to follow or adverts. And it's become like, yeah.
0: I just wrote a blog on exactly this. I'm thinking of just shutting down my my creative... I've got about four yeah. accounts, right? It's like family ones and business ones and all that sort of stuff. But my creative one, I'm thinking of just abandoning it. I, I really struggle. I struggle to find any new artists to to get into on it. Yeah. It just seems to be full of people that are doing the same thing as everybody else. Like it's just yeah. lots of... I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, the people that I'm looking for seem to get lost off the radar. You get the occasional amazing person that slips through your net, but there's just the people that you really want to see is just hidden.
2: It, it, yeah, no, it is a bit like that. And I would say, I mean, I've been using it, using it sounds like a drug, doesn't it? But I think <laughs> it's it a bit like a drug, it isn't it? A drug.
0: I've been it reading is about
2: a... um, apps and stuff and how they are like computer games. And it is like an app, it's like a drug, isn't it? And um I, a couple of nights ago, um, I woke up and I, I was actually, I had a dream and I was scrolling in my dream. The dream was scrolling. And I thought, oh my God, like I, because I'd use... Um, oh no,
0: Chloe, give up. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Not good. But then I use it so much for, for work, like for clients, for myself, putting up my rubbish pictures, like, um, for documenting Britain, I'm always, um, going through all the hashtags, looking for photos because I, one thing I do enjoy, if I'm not putting a feature up or I think someone's work's going to go up soon. Um, but I always share on the stories and, um, that's time consuming, like sharing on the story feature. Um, but yeah, no, dreaming of scrolling is not a good sign. No, it's not. (laughs) And, um, I would say it, I, I really I feel like it's changed. I really enjoyed using it. Um, about I think the last maybe over lockdown, I feel like I've sort of got fallen out of a funny feeling about social media in general. Yes. I went to Twitter as well. There's Some horrible, oh Twitter and can be awful.
1: Yeah, it can be really evil, kind of. Yeah, yeah,
2: really evil photo. Some of the stuff that people and people really um, I wonder if. How many people really know each other that kind of lash out on there or debate and
0: oh zero of them yeah <laughs> none of them have got anything interesting to say and mm-hmm. they got no experience it's it's just incredible isn't it you see people going at each other's faces I just yeah I, I don't know I've I've got a sore spot at the moment for for social oh, media
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But on the plus side it, it can be really um like one of my someone was saying to me about um how much I've been using Instagram and stuff for my work and, you know, is it a good thing? And I was like, well, I've got like, you know, it's going to be, I've got some people who are buying my work privately through spotting it on there, you know, big grids that curators, that I don't know how I would have necessarily got the work in front of them. If I hadn't been sharing my work somewhere like that, I've um, like, I'm talking to you guys and that's because you've spotted me doing work on there. Lots of things have happened through my presence on these apps that I'm grumbling about. Um, and when I um, one of the things I noticed really picked up on when I discovered, when I first ever, well, it was actually a friend of mine that said to me, Chloe, use Instagram. About five years ago, I went on there and I discovered that because I'd stopped working in London, a lot of my work contacts were all on there, and and then I kind of thought to myself, hang on a minute, my old like years ago, and used to work on picture desks, you needed like a contacts book to get a job, like as a photo editor, they'd say to you, like, what, photog- right. what photographers do you know? What editors do you know? Blah, blah, blah. And you'd have to work hard on, on hot desking or getting to know all those people before you had your like book. Was, I've still got my leather bound contacts book. Like it's, oh, amazing. I was really proud of it because it got oh, me, my first job. Yeah. But then I looked at Instagram and thought, ah, they're all in there and I haven't been working for a while. So it kind of, it was interesting to sort of see how you could sort of reconnect mm. by that. And that's when I, Started taking photos. And other photographers were like, "Oh, hi, Chloe! It's you. I remember you." And oh yeah, that, that picture. And I just started chatting again. So it was, it was fun. So There's a has a positive side, doesn't it? How's
0: your process changed over time? Because it sounds like you've had so many different experiences. I'm I'm really intrigued how that's changed your view of the world. What's What's changed as time's gone on?
2: In what sense? For in the way that you see. Way that things. I see things.
0: Yeah, the
1: way you make work. The way that that. I suppose how has your how has your practice evolved over time? Is
0: that what you are saying, Dan? Yeah, yeah. That's a thank you, Paul. That's a way more eloquent way of <laughs> of putting it. So,
2: as as in taking photos, me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: mm. um I guess that when I first was, so I used did commissions and stuff for museums and things, and I used to actually use like medium format cameras and thirty five millimeters. My someone's rubbish project is all done on mobile phones because um when. I actually first started it I had I was struggling with money and had to sell a couple of cameras and um, I was quite stressed I remember thinking I really want to take pictures and this I think I've this is on some blog interview somewhere I mentioned this before and it's a funny one it might make me sound a bit strange but at the time I was stressing about not being able to you know go out and take work on a project because I didn't actually have the right kit But um, Brighton uh, buses were running a campaign saying, your phone is your ticket. And there was these big posters everywhere. And I just started using Instagram. And I started thinking, my phone is my ticket. And I was taking pictures. And then maybe it's just like dyslexic connections. I'm not sure. But I started thinking, yeah, it actually is. And I just thought, I can do, I can start doing some projects with my phone, the camera on there. So I say if my practice has changed or evolved, I think it's, I've got, I got less worried about equipment and not having the right kit and not having, um, you know, and I I wasn't, I kind of completely let go of what it is to, they tell you that you has, you have to be a photographer and what a photographer has to, um, yeah. Yeah. All the rules. I I broke all the rules and I didn't care. And it fit fit in with life. And it was like, I wasn't, I've been making pictures and I've had fun and there's been no one, um, judging it apart from me just plunk you know sharing it and getting a really good response and then yeah so I'd say letting go of all the rules because I used to get really hung up on them all because um I found learning the rules tricky as a dyslexic and yeah and then feeling like you're not good enough if you don't rock up or use the right kit you know and less worried about mistakes as well now and um someone said to me that I should maybe a couple of years ago because now I've got a nicer, different camera and I've got like a Fuji X, whatever. And um, they said, why don't you now start using those cameras? I was like, well, I quite like the fact it, it still works for me. Cause it's so uh, it's just, in, I can get under cars with my phone camera. I like the fact that I've, I've had to change phones over time. So the technology I, I... and the pixel, it all ch- Yeah. So you can see, the project's about my phone as well, and I think yeah I, I think I like that aesthetic of
1: of the of the phone shooting it, it it feels right for the for the images you know the, the, it yeah. kind of matches the the way the images are presented it feels i don't know it's, it's almost like voyeuristic in a way, like it kind of feels like even though it's somebody's rubbish it's like yeah. you're, you're spying on somebody's life and like uh-huh. and even though I know nothing about the person who's thrown the rubbish away mm-hmm. i i, I I build, like I say, I build this picture, you know, of, of why would somebody throw that? I was I was going to ask you, what's what's the most weirdest thing you've found? Is it something really like my, you're thinking, oh, my God, did somebody actually throw that away? <laughs>
2: um, well, I just, the weirdest thing I've ever found. I don't know that it, everything, it's a funny thing, but nothing feels kind of weird because, like,
1: everything is weird right yeah, way, yeah kind
2: of all the things we use, like if you look at it all out of context the stuff that human beings use is kind of strange the the thing that I always stays in my mind is I found a, a Parker jacket covered in blood like a, a, um it's on my um I think it's on my website it was early in the morning and at first I thought is that wine or something but it wasn't and it so it's absolutely covered and that's always stays in my mind because people always say to me, did you not? There was a street cleaner nearby and they, were, they dealt with it. But someone said, shouldn't you call the police or something if you find something like that? But I took a picture and I went to work. So I put it <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> brilliant, glow, Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. I mean, something else that intrigued me was two bottles of um, liquid codeine with the uh, face, the anonymous mask face on them. So when I, I find things like that, I kind of think it's interesting like how they're, you know, where they come from, who's just unusual things that you wouldn't find on the shelf at The Chemist. The underbelly, the under yeah. stuff that we, um, the underbelly of Brighton, I guess.
1: I, I think, me and Dan have talked about this, I think on previous podcasts, but I think photography works best when it leaves you a question.
0: Mm-hmm. like,
1: And I think this project does that beautifully. Like it is constantly making you create your own narrative with images. So it's like, you know, I I think that's a really powerful, beautiful, lovely thing. It just, it just makes me smile. You know, it just brings a a really, uh, something joyous happens, I think.
2: I love that feedback because other people said it. And the thing is, it's not like an environment. There are obviously, people have come up to me to ask to do things, to collaborate because of like, you know, the environment and waste but I've always said, yes, obviously there's an aspect of that, but it's never been about that for me. It is more about the stories and the things that we use and chuck out. And um, most of the pictures are taken around an area. So I grew up in, this, in the area that I'm taking the pictures and I moved away, came back. And I kind of know all the, um, like I explore the back streets, alleyways, and um, I just know kind of places to explore and go. And I feel like the fact that I am kind of, it's recently I was thinking this, I'm like treading old ground. And, um, for the last five years, it's been a kind of um and so the images also are things that from I relate to some of them, like my experience as well, like some of the objects around like I'll spot something and um it might be something that I've used in the past, or that um, yeah, I'll know why it's there as as it says, but you were mentioning earlier actually about cameras and things and um practice, and I was just thinking a photographer. Joseph Murphy said to me um, about when I first started doing it and I was fussing about old cameras and things. And he just said, just look through your, um, the square of your um, Apple, you know, your camera phone, just think of it as, as, as if it's your, um, the camera you sold, if it's your Bonica, just think of it as a medium format camera, the frame as if you're framing in that way. And then I was like, yeah. So take that moment to like, take a deep breath and put, and think about it and spend time with the objects. If you were either in a studio or you were they were right in front of you for ages, like it was a portrait. So then I thought, yeah, every object, it, I'm taking a portrait of, of that object.
0: You're kind of honouring yeah.
2: it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And um, yeah. I know my, my daughter sometimes has hurried me along saying, oh, no, what do you, you know, hurry up, hurry up. It's just a shoe, mum. I'm like, now she <laughs> won't even... Um, <laughs> doesn't even want to be seen when <laughs> I'm doing something <laughs> like that but yeah so
0: yeah anyway is she interested in doing anything creative herself
2: I think so she's yeah like she said to me, mum um why does school want us to know exactly what we're going to be doing when we're old you know we're older how you know half of us don't oh. know I no idea and I think back at that point
1: uh, like the only reason I ended up in IT and the only reason I ended up in IT is just, like had a good IT teacher. That's the only reason. That is the only reason. He was my only good teacher. Like I, I it bothers me that like I, that being a creative or doing photography or or any of this, it didn't exist. If I couldn't paint in my comprehensive school in South Wales, I wasn't creative. I wasn't creative, and that that was it. Like there wasn't an opportunity to be a photographer. I didn't even I didn't even know the job existed, you know, naively. And and yeah, uh, I I think there's a whole. Uh, generation of working class children that have, have, have just been like they just don't know they just there's actually you just they just don't know that you can have a career within this industry whether that's you know a photographer or a painter.
2: I realise I'm sitting. It's quite dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's gone dark. <laughs> it's like you've been slowly fading away. <laughs>
2: yeah, hang on. Should I turn ice,
0: yeah, the lights on? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say yeah, anything. I was like, I was the, a bit yeah, like well, maybe she likes it. dark.
1: <laughs> I thought maybe she could be a bat. No, is that
2: a bit bitter? <laughs> oh, there she is! Look, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Again. Sorry,
0: you don't look quite so yeah. ghostly now.
2: <laughs> I, like, I just noticed. I wasn't really even looking at the picture of me. It was like just black. I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> um, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, but I, was, yeah, I, I do, I do think. I don't know if it's intentional by successive governments. I don't. And I'm not. I'm not really political. I don't. You know, I come from a working class family. I've supported Labour my whole life, but only because. It's what you do in South Wales because Thatcher closed the mines. So <laughs> you know. Um but I, I do I do feel not not a responsibility but like how how do we is it like how do we even highlight how do we even help other people other other children who are in a similar situation. And maybe it isn't the same now. I haven't been in school for 20 years so I, I don't know. I'm imagining but um
2: I think it still is a bit of a struggle in some schools, isn't it mm-hmm. across the yeah different um like, um my daughter said that it's people still struggle, and there isn't the time um, is that what you were saying you were saying yeah that- I
1: just just that like how
2: i don't know that
0: creativity is even recognized I mean well, sorry, it wasn't when i at, at my school yeah. that I went to creativity wasn't really recognized, much like paul if, if you weren 't painting then you you probably weren't really worth investing any time mm. in. I, I mean, I was kind of lucky they run a photography course and that's what I did in sixth form, but that's kind of a, another story. But but I do think things are changing now. They recognise the kids now. When they have that spark, that creative spark, they kind of nurture that now. And I don't know that they always did that before. I think the good teachers
1: did, that didn't they? Sense. I think this is the point, I think. And also that because we're all different, we all relate to different teachers and to different people in different ways, and so somebody who might inspire me, you might think is dead boring, right? Mm-hmm. And I suppose what what fundamentally we're saying is is that um, maybe I'm I'm being political here, which I don't intend to be, but is that the level of teaching in comprehensive schools? And I'm not saying this is across the board, but at some has been it's been weak; it's just been not been very good, and so. Like the, the the chances of you getting inspired by somebody uh, was was rather slim, almost non-existent, and and if we can, I I don't know how we do it, and I don't know if it's even possible, but it, shining a light in or or I I don't know, I I it makes me want to be a teacher when I talk about it. And Now I'm going to go to like a comprehensive school and teach. When I sometimes I think about it, but I don't know.
0: I know a lady that can help you get into the profession. (laughs) What what will you do, Paul, right? Let's say, for example, that Rosa or or Wilf, in in a few years' time, shows an interest in something, whether it's like painting or photography or music or whatever it is, like game development. What what are you going to do? Just support it, I suppose, in
1: the best way I can. You just want to... I think a a a child naturally shows... An interest in something, and, and, and I might not be interested in it, but my I suppose my job as a parent has always been to support and guide and get her off the iPad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, does, what does support look like? I just want to dive a little bit into that. I don't have kids of my own. Let's say you know, you're know you going to support one of them. But maybe they're interested in writing. Mm-hmm. How do you go about supporting a kid?
1: Deep question, Dan. Um, how do you support the child? That's a difficult one, but I think it's by. I think I always believe in kind of a gentle approach, and that you 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 have that something that. So if she had a national, uh, sorry, a natural passion for writing, then you know, I suppose it's showing you people who write well, giving her influences that we. doing some research on, you know, different writers and different styles of writing. And and go down the rabbit hole with her, I suppose. And and sometimes as a parent, the child doesn't want you to go down the rabbit hole with them. So they just want to go alone. And I suppose it's having a confidence in that you've brought them up in a, the right way or or tried to bring them in the right way. That when they go down the hole, they're gonna be experienced enough to find what they love. I I I think it's a it's a little bit about um letting go um, and, and trust in that the person that you brought up and has lived with you will take some of the values that you hope. maybe maybe I don't know is that a bit kind of meandering
2: no that sounded yeah about right really I mean
1: yes a good question I never really thought about it Dan um, I, got a, I got another question for you Chloe what's one tiny thing
2: mm-hmm. that
1: brings that brings you joy
2: a tiny thing that brings me joy.
0: Tiny thing. I've got a new one just to buy you some oh time, gosh. Chloe. Laying, laying in bed longer than you that's... meant to. So you wake up. Well, that's your thing? And or... I, I, that's, that's that's my <laughs> tiny thing that brings me a lot of joy. Being awake, but not actually getting up.
2: Right. So is this a tiny thing? It's not, can't be a person or like, it's not tiny, is it? Um... It
0: could be a tiny
1: person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Tiny it brings me joy. There's yeah. lots of things. That Paul's bring one me the other joy. day was his um, socks.
1: I like. I like it when everybody's left the house and I'm in the mm-hmm. house on my own, and it's just there's no, just no, no, I can just hear the dishwasher going, but I like
2: that. Oh, you mean things like that? Okay, so I think I love swimming, and. um I love it when I'm in the pool and there's no one else in there and it's just, I can just float in the middle and it's just me and I make sure that the water oh, is great, like totally, it it's just feels still. That's a tiny thing that makes me joy. That <laughs> really yeah, in the that's water, amazing, but... isn't it?
0: Oh, that's a great one. I love that as well. It's really meditative, yeah. isn't it? Like you just sort Definitely. of, you watch the... You watch the sides of the walls going past. It's nice in
2: the pool. You but also sort of... in the sea, when um, in the evening in Brighton, if you go into the sea when there's hardly any, and there's no one in the water, and it's one of those nights where it's like a pink sky and the sea's totally still, and you you feel like you're the only one in the sea, and it's that same moment where you're just, it's a moment of stillness, I think. Mm, yeah. That's good.
0: Getting in the sea at night. Um,
2: just at well, I don't
0: know. I've, I've seen Jaws, <laughs> Chloe. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> no, it's
2: lovely. In the summer, not in the winter, in the summer. Because you get to see, you get to look onto the Brighton Beach as well and it's like mostly the remnants of people having barbecues and you, yeah, it's just one of those, that's a tiny thing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's really nice.
0: I mean, I I still don't fancy doing <laughs> it. I, not without like a chainmail suit or
2: yeah. or
0: something. <laughs> like an armed guard <laughs> on a boat just to pull me out just in case.
2: <laughs> Is that something you ask everybody, your tiny thing? That-
0: yeah, and we've, we've started
1: doing it recently, haven't we, Dad? Because we always find... Um, what, what did, you, did you use to describe it then? It's like a softener, isn't it? Like you you find a true, you, you,
0: we're delving a little bit into your brain with it.
2: Yeah, you are. I think the yeah. thing
0: is, is me and, me and Paul are more interested in uh-huh. the person than, than their yeah. work. And by understanding mm-hmm. you, I feel like I get a better insight to why you might do certain mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah, yeah. I th- they seem like silly little questions on the surface, but I think getting an understanding of a person—I don't know—I think it changes their work. I yeah. do as well. I, I think, and
1: I think because because we live in this digital age where we all we like we've been forced to connect digitally all the last eighteen months. But even before that, I think it's very rare that you'd pick up the phone to speak to somebody. You usually send them a text and say, "Hey, Joe, do you want to come and meet me here?" Or, and, and I feel like we've lost this art of conversation. And that, you know, I think that I, I, me and my wife are talking about apparently some of the people who work with her, the children, not the children, the children that work with her, but some of the associates that work with her, they just really struggle with conversation. And like they'd be out at a bar and they're, you know, they're all sat there and they're just all (laughs) scrolling through their phones. And
2: yeah, it's weird. I was talking about this today with somebody about how, um, so there's a curator and a guy that I chat to on Instagram, he's in America. We were talking about, Um, how you would, you know, years ago, if you needed to speak to a friend, if you're you're a teenager, you'd have to ring up, speak to the parents. You'd have to have less conversation. And then the parents would get to know the kids. Whereas now at the moment, it's all the kids have got their own phones. And it's kind of like all that, that conversation, bits of conversation are sort of, it's disappearing. Like, yeah, that kind of. um,
0: I still remember some of my friend's phone numbers from (laughs) being a kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing that blows people's minds. Like now, I, I don't know what Paul's number is, but we text all the time. But, you know, back then, you uh, had to remember. Now you
1: used to ring, That like, You had to, if you wanted to go on a date with a girl, you had to ring up and speak to the mum before you yeah. hey, i I want to come and take Joe. And it's so awkward. i like, oh my God. Like, just even thinking about it now brings me in a bit of a cold sweat. But, like, <laughs>
2: hey, uh, can I take Zero next Thursday? No. <laughs> <laughs> but we have lost. Um, so I sometimes like to, some of the photographers I deal with, I end up sometimes speaking to them on the phone and stuff. Cause also some, sometimes I've ended up working with some of them. And a friend of mine was um, saying just recently, um, who's also, well, she's a photographer too. And she was just saying, you do like to pick up the phone and talk to people, don't you? Doesn't that throw people? It's like, well, I kind of like those, you know, I like being able to actually speak to the person that I might do some work with. I don't want to always just have to try and build up over, um, Messenger, it's sometimes nice yeah. to hear, yeah, to speak to a human, and I suppose, I guess, yeah, it's changing, isn't it? Hopefully, it might swing round again. I think, think so?
1: I, I, yeah, I, I, think I, I, I do feel it is a slight. I, like, I don't know about your daughter, but I, 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 my, my daughter just doesn't have a phone yet. I'm going to try and hold off as long as
2: possible. <laughs> How old is your daughter?
1: Uh, she's eight, maybe nine. Oh. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah,
2: you can hold off
1: for a bit, can't you? But it yeah, will get hard. Yeah, once your friends have them and it becomes, you know, yeah.
2: It,
1: mm. Like, I don't even know
0: how I, like, how, how do you even police that? Silly little things like this. I was thinking about this the, uh, the other day, Paul. At some point, like, your kids are going to be old enough. This this stuff will probably still be online. They'll be able to go back and listen to hours uh-huh. of their dad and chatting rubbish imagine. with some...
1: Just talking rubbish for hours, yeah.
0: Well,
2: How long have you been doing your
0: podcasts for? Uh, we started in uh-huh. February. What, this
2: this year or? Year? Yeah,
0: this year, this year. So you are number 16 right. and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Mm-hmm. So by the time, I'm, I'm sure we'd have long stopped by the time Paul's kids are old enough to appreciate it. But I, I feel like if I was like 16 and I found out my dad was on a podcast or whatever mm-hmm. the equivalent, like a radio show, mm-hmm. I guess, back like then. I think I would have been like mortified but I think as an adult of course you'd be like this is amazing this is like an insight into my dad when I was a kid like that would be incredible you know we were talking earlier on about being a photographic archaeologist I, I feel like that would be a huge find right yeah If you were just able to open that oh up. no
2: definitely I was just thinking back actually some of the things you were talking about about practice again you know and about has it did you ask me earlier about the evolution kind of, of it? Yeah. Yeah. One w- yeah. I thing I would like to, I think it's a bit of an insight into taking the, my photos and stuff is I've had quite a bit of a challenging time for personal reasons over the last four or five years. And I think going out and walking every day has been like really um, therapeutic as well. And like, it's been a thing that's helped through a tricky time. And, um, Oh, every time I felt really a bit low I would be out there I'd think right let's go for a walk let's go and explore 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 take photos so when I look at all my photos and look at the picture I can almost I can see all I of can, that in the background of it which no one else will know but I know
1: I can relate to that so much I think yeah. walking walking has mm. been it's like meditation where you're you know you're fo- so focused on what you're looking for and, and this idea of looking that you kind of yeah. tune out all, all the other extraneous noise and it, and, and it, it. just allows just allows you to be completely oblivious to like the you know to everything you're just in in this linford christie call it tunnel vision and and this yeah. you know that idea. You i mean, i you are right and it's, it's it's i i i too i think without it i would have lost my mind i think it it mm-hmm. has saved me uh, multiple times in my life photography i think and that 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 is a really powerful thing as well, though, isn't it? That, that yeah, it, can,
2: it, it really it... is. And I don't think any of the other work that I've ever done before when I did the um, oral history project or I worked in factories or with museums, that that was definitely, like, project-based, but this is definitely, I can, yeah, there was something else going on with me when I've been taking the pictures. I suppose that's what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, like you said, that's really personal and it's very private to you, mm-hmm. uh, but do you think do you think that'll like do you think that even bleed into the images when you when you come to finally say okay, this project's finished this is the selection of images i 've made do you think subconsciously you would be choosing images that like have resonated some way
0: or they 're all like within a twenty minute walk <laughs> of your house
2: well it's interesting you say that because um i've got there's a curator that wants to work with me and she wants to she's proposing to put on a show. I, it was meant to be maybe this year, but when, not in Photo London, but when Photo London happens and she was, we were looking at my work and thinking of different strands and themes. And then I started to, um, when she was sort of talking about it, I was thinking, actually, there's just a bit more to it. So I need to give this some thought, um, mm. just a bit more thought. Or whether it's just like that personal thing is just something that I know and that's just been part of something that's been good for me. through doing.
1: By because of how much you reveal of 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 the personal issues that that ran um, in parallel to the project, mm-hmm. do you, do you think um, by being vulnerable and and expressing that some way, maybe in the writing that goes along with the project, or you know how you present the images, does this? The, I I was the question I suppose is does the vulnerability. Of of you being honest about the experience that you've gone through during the time you've made the project, make the work resonate more. And uh,
2: maybe I guess, I suppose. If I did have the confidence to share like how I was feeling throughout the last four years or something, four or five years, it may be. I don't, yeah. It might do. I'm I guess I don't feel i will I won't gonna really go into it all now, but mm-hmm. I sort of shared a bit with you guys now. Sort yeah. of, so it was been on my mind after speaking with the curator really, just because you just, when you're taking a step back up from something that you've done so intensely, and then also realizing, because it's long form, it's you sort of realize a bit about yourself in that time as well.
0: Right. It's almost a bit yeah. Cathartic.
2: Which I guess lots of photographers, you know, set, yeah, their work can be.
1: How long? Yeah. How long? How much longer would you think you'd be shooting the project for? Is it an end date on it, or you? Is it something that'll run forever? You know. If it's, yeah.
2: <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know. You
1: could be, you could be, 64, you know, going exactly. into little, going oh.
2: frame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a zimmer frame and a claw. <laughs> 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 um, no, I think I still want, I'm still carrying on doing it. So I don't know. I've, I've had people say to me in the past, you should end it now, stop it now, move on, do something else. This is other photographers um, saying, you know, you'll get known just for doing that, blah, blah, blah. But I was just like, well, It just makes me really happy still. And I really like, as long as I've got my cat, the phone, the camera there, and I spot something and it brings me like an element of joy, why do I have to stop it? You know, yes, I I do know that I want to get the work out there and seen. I want to make a book. I'm going to probably, I think I've got, I'm starting to look at making a zine um, to put out there. So I guess, you know, Maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a question that people ask. People assume that you should stop things um, because sometimes that's like a natural thing. I guess if I feel like, if I stop having fun and it stops bringing me that joy of just exploring, then maybe that's when I'll stop. Life might change in a way that, um, yeah, in a way that I have to stop. Who knows?
0: That's super interesting you say that. Me and Paul did an episode some time ago I was trying to start a project. I've never really done projects yeah. before. It's something that I needed yeah. to do to like progress, but I hadn't really ever done it. And me and Paul were talking through projects at that time. And I think that was the conclusion we came to was like, I kept saying, how do I know mm. when it's done? I hadn't even started yet. I don't know why I was immediately <laughs> leaping to how do I know. Just, <laughs> just couldn't, couldn't wait hey. to be finished. And and I think that was that was where we came to, right, Paul? Is like the, the moment it stops being yeah. fun. The moment you don't want to do
1: it anymore, fundamentally, it right? Is the moment you you you're taking a picture and you're thinking, "Oh God, not another tampon." Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's true.
0: laughs>
2: yeah. Here I am leaning over another tampon. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I think, but the thing is, I one thing I would say is that projects that um. If you find something that's a long form project to do as an artist or a photographer, a documentary, um, I love long form projects because I think they can really tell a, a, just a longer story, and you get more—it's uh, it's rich. I love short photo essays too, when you um, where you can learn about something, and you know, it's a sort of a photographer spent a short space of time somewhere. It's just—it's valid, but I do love long form work, and I guess if I'd have just taken, say. You know, pictures of stuff on the street for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, it definitely wouldn't have. Um, it wouldn't have the substance, I don't think. And also, people say to me like, "It's a picture of like Britain and stuff." Well, I suppose I was thinking it's not really. I mean, like across the country, I think if somebody else get, did the time, put the time in that I have in a different part of the country, <clears throat> you'd get similar rubbish, but it would be slightly different. There would be a difference somehow.
1: You think um, you could? You could. You could tell the rubbish by where the rubbish comes from. You could, could, you could, you think like
0: if, for instance. Is it time and place, right?
2: Time and place. What do you mean?
0: Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of, a lot of rubbish doesn't really feel, we were talking about doing stuff for a long time. And sometimes if, you know, if there's like people with it, you can see these people getting older and you can kind of tell the time is moving on. I wonder if you can do time and place with the rubbish. Like, can you tell where it is or when it was?
2: I, well, you can date my work through, like what I mentioned about them, um, you know, referendums and um, yeah. different political things that are happening, and newspapers of date dates and times. Yeah, you can um, time and place definitely. So, if someone um, was to um, I don't know, I'm just using Bradford as an example because I'm always talking to a photographer called John Bullerton, so he's in the, in my mind for some reason, but he's always sharing lots of pictures of because he walks a lot too um, to get the work, to get the pictures, the work that he does. He does puts a lot of time in and I'm just imagining if he was to sort of like focus in on rubbish in Bradford, I think it would look different if you put the time in. I think, uh, you know, the odd sort of pizza boxes and bottles and bits and bobs over a few weeks or, you know, it just could look like any part of Britain I do think yeah it'd be a good challenge for someone to
1: i'm going to throw in a slight curveball for you, you but um
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, you say you work with lots of different photographers and stuff d- 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 is there a, a generic problem that that you see having worked with lots of photographers over the time that you know maybe they're all a bit unorganized or <laughs> is, is there like a is it like a quirk of personality that that's kind of I don't know specific to photography that you think, oh my god, why do all photographers do this? Or not?
2: No, I don't know. No. I think there is this, such a mixture of personalities. I think and when I got my um sort of first job as a main photo editor, photographer, liaison person at impact, like I was sort of super proud of my business card, you know, mm-hmm. photo editor and um the guy who employed me i had an interview with all the um like the directors and then there was a guy the studio manager um i remember him saying i've just got a feeling about you that you're going to be good with um well i hate to say this but i think he kind of implied like the, the you know the, the crazy characters the weirdos um <laughs> Some of them are all right, his words were, because he said, I haven't got time for these photographers. Some of them are all right. Some of them, you know, are easy. Some of them edit their work well, and some of them want to spend hours talking to to you for ages. Some of he goes, I think you've got, I think you'll be able to deal with them. I like, like, chatting to people and stuff and different personalities. So I guess uh, they're all different. That's my answer to that. There isn't one.
0: What about work-wise? Is there something you see all the time and just like, why? too many photos not enough photos the wrong photos
2: i think one thing i would say is that i think a lot of photographers you get ones who are really like super confident and have like seem to have massive massive sort of yeah just bound loads of confidence and will just submit loads of pictures and think they're great but a lot of photographers um are really critical of their work and are a bit shy and will like so people submit to Document in Britain and they'll say, here's a set and they might send me 15 pictures. And I'll say, but have you got any more? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, but I'm not sure about them. They might be a bit rubbish and blah, blah, blah. And I said, just send me it all. And then I often find that they'll send like 60 shots and then there's some really good pictures in there. And um, so maybe photographers are a bit critical of themselves at times, some wow,
0: um, lack
2: confidence, maybe. I reckon but do you
1: think do you think that's because as a society we've been made like British we are all kind of like you know it's all right it's not that good <laughs> we're not we're not really good at blowing our own trumpets, so we like we, we all we feel a bit i don't know maybe self conscious i i I hate like saying, oh my you know my work I, I I really find it awkward i, yeah. like I, I don 't know, but maybe
2: it's hard, I think that some documentary photographers also put a lot of their they sometimes put their very whole being and their heart and everything into creating a story. And um, they kind of maybe feel maybe sensitive, protective, a bit nervous of what's, or sometimes just not even really seeing something that somebody else might see in some of the shots. I remember editing someone's work and they were like, I just wouldn't have seen, seen what you're seeing. I it's like, I guess, I mean, I, I quite shy myself. Like with this curator, she said to me, "Put together a, a, like a grid, Chloe." And I suddenly realised that I was turning into the photographer that I'm talking about. I kind of like, oh my god, I know my work really well, but
0: his three shots.
2: Yeah, how am I going to do this? And what am I saying? And
1: um, yes, yeah, was- I, th- I think sometimes you need like an external eye, right? Somebody else that uh, yeah. will, like, I I always. And this is something that's only come to me in the last couple of years. But having people who are more experienced than you, maybe photographers who have done it who are ahead of you in in, in the the journey of photography life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is really helpful. And I, I I I've always been a bit shy. Not just I suppose is the work. This question is the work any good? I, I, you know, do, do I like it? What am I trying to say? And all of these yeah, doubts that fluctuate through the back of your mind. What the, What am I doing? Why have I wasted the last? two years doing this you know and I I, I, I think it, being confident is in, in your own work is a difficult thing
2: sometimes like oh, it is that question it? you said it's always terrified me from when I was a student like well what are you saying with those photos what are you saying, <laughs> are you like, saying? oh my god I've just like um you know someone said to me recently about my work like well what are you what exactly are you saying and it really puts you on spot doesn't it you kind of mm-hmm. um I guess I did go to university, but I kind of like had gaps in education. I think obviously if you go off and study for years, you get, you can con- te- learn how to talk about your work, aren't you? And mm-hmm. That's
1: the bit I think I would, I, we talked about going to uni and, and I've talked about going to do a master's, going back and yeah. doing it. And I think that's the reason to contextualise, to, yeah. to learn how to contextualise your work. And and that's that's like, wow, it's taken Chloe to find me to, to actually try and make that lexic <laughs> sin. But it is, it is just that. It's that, that I feel like there's, when I, I see other photographers who speak about their working and it's really quite polished and it, and I feel like, fuck, how did you even come up with that shit? Yeah. I, like, and it blows my mind. And maybe it is that they've been to university and they've been taught how to do that.
2: Um, yeah, um, like all the reference points, to talk about the right reference points with your work mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm.
1: And it's difficult, isn't it? If you've not been come from that background, like you, are like I'm self-taught, and I, I, I think I've learned through the internet. Like I, I got into photography just as Flickr was being born, basically mm-hmm. at the birth of Flickr. And yeah, you know, we've gone through Flickr and Tumblr, and now we're on Instagram. And and how how I don't know how each of these networks are somehow like you you you. I, I've lost my train of thought, so stop. Try, where was I going with that? Sorry, I see that's my brain.
0: You you were talking about not being able to contextualise your work, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and where you came from, and then you started telling us all I, that. I, I, I lost the train of thought. I'm really. sorry.
2: I do that a lot, though. Lose my train of thought. But you've got, I, you got you were making me think about all the apps and stuff, and Flickr and things, and uh, if we're going back to um, you, like using those and documentary photography and documenting Britain. I am um, one of the things that I've really loved in reference to my desk work is you like working on working a document in britain and t- chatting to photographers and chatting to photographers who generally haven't got the background that we're talking about you know where you can contextualize your work and mm-hmm. um and they're getting their work out there by via these social platforms but they haven't got anyone to speak to about their work i've really enjoyed sharing my knowledge of the industry sharing my interest in photography with people getting to know them seeing their work and like, yeah, like I love I love it when I end up featuring somebody who's been, I guess, like pounding the streets, slowly making work, then suddenly it becomes like this cohesive body of work. And um, I've loved that about Documenting Britain and Instagram and um, you know, quite a few people, I think, actually, that I've got to know over time. A lot of them aren't formally trained in photography that are out there just making work right. across the country. Quite a few people on the page, um, yeah, haven't, I guess would be probably feeling like oh, us when we're talking about this. How do they talk about their work?
0: What about when those people hit that platform and they, are you able to contextualise their work? They might not be able to, but can you do it as an outsider?
2: Well, uh, for Documenting Britain, the thing is when it started, so there was a guy called could ask to cook who founded it and he, I think the general sort of feeling of it at the time was always to be something where that wasn't something people worried about too much you were supposed to just really okay so on on the page there are people who will have text written that's kind of maybe a bit more um I don't know like theory and research and about the work they're doing but then other people will just be talking about themselves and how they became a photographer and what it means to them to be a street photographer and why they're taking pictures other people have shared their life sort of story as to how they've got Got back to taking pictures and think. I guess, I suppose, I'm saying that it's not. um It's meant to be very. um Help me, guys. What's the word here? When loose. it's sorry,
1: loose, relaxed.
2: loose is good. But um like a, it's like an open platform. It's not meant to make you feel intimidated. That you know, welcome it's, for everybody is yes, it's, kind of yeah.
0: You're not necessarily expecting people to contextualise no, the work or tell so, the story. They sort of letting the work speak for it, exactly. itself. Right? So you
2: could have somebody on there who's. Um, I don't know. Got like a MA, BA, This that whatever. PhD, and the next person um, has i works as a butcher, goes out and takes pictures, and just wants to talk about the pictures he's taking, um, and or not even talk about them at all. Just share those pictures. So yeah, about the work. So Chloe, mm. every week we actually
0: um, we like to shout out another another artist another creative or or a piece of work that we're kind of enjoying it doesn't have to be anybody that's particularly successful or or not it can be literally any anything you're just enjoying at the moment paul have you got I one have, ready i have oh. do. Oh
1: god i can't believe i'm mentioning him again i feel bad about mentioning him again but
0: um are you going to speak up mr wood you know,
1: you know dan wood right you know dan wood's work uh, yeah yeah so he's from the same town as me and bajen and um basically every week I, I kind of uh, list a book that he's been talking about on his, You've got a little website called Photo Book Junkies now. Yeah, yeah, I follow it. Yeah, yeah. So I like... I think
2: Dan like, was in the first Documenting Britain exhibition when Alastair founded it. I think he was up in a uh, street level. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I've got a bit into a habit of collecting books about Wales, basically. And, and mm. this, this one is called um, The Valleys, by a guy called Anthony Stokes, and it's, it's kind of you know the, the, the I can only call it um, banal kind of Stephen Shore esque photography, but it just reminds me of home when I look at it. it I just I, I it transports me back to those places, um, mm. and that that's a, that's the wonderful thing about photography. Even if I if even if I'm not been to these places, like it feels like home, uh, and, and that's why I really love it. I just Makes it's, it's one of the only books, I think, that I've seen that, like, takes me to my whales, the whales that I know. It's really, like, you know, it's, it's just really beautiful, really beautiful, lovely work. Yeah, so that is The
0: Valleys by Anthony Stokes.
2: Oh, okay, so not Dan. Anthony Stokes.
1: Anthony Stokes, sorry, yes, yes. This is a guy.
0: I think it was that he was getting it from the Junkies. photo book. Junkies, yes, yes. Uh, website yes yes this, sorry
1: sorry it's
0: like, this is this is what happens every week is he, he always picks a photo book and it's always from from dan's yeah, shop i always
1: buy a book <laughs> support support local independent businesses that's what i'm trying to do uh-huh.
0: <laughs> he might be the person that we've spoken about the most and and still not had on yeah, the podcast. we're gonna get
1: down on we're gonna get down on i am i'm gonna i think he's a bit shy dan doesn't like talking so much on pods from from what i've 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 tried to Dig beneath, he's ignored me. He called Danielle, don't not reply to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a double negative. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't not reply. <laughs> it is, it is. It's like, gotcha. <laughs> no worries. I will. <laughs> don't not reply to me. Brilliant. Yeah, my God. So my pick this week is, uh, Olga. I'm going to butcher her second name and I apologize. This is my dyslexia mm-hmm. coming out. Uh, Olga K- Kolovac. Um, she put out a book called Escape. I think it was late last year. She's a photographer, um, and her photos don't look quite like anything else that I've really seen much of. They're kind of like really mysterious, dark, and kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of slides up or down or across the image. It's just really, really mm. enchanting. But I just, they really evoke a mood. It's all black and white, and they're just, Really, really amazing. So, yeah, go go check out Olga's work. Go buy a book, Escape, because it's really okay. good. Good one, Dan. Good one. Has that brought you enough Not time? Really.
2: I'm throwing a bit, because I can think of so many people.
1: Um... Somebody you love. Somebody that you... Like, if there was... Do you have a book that you go back to? Like, if you have a photo book that you love? Or... And it doesn't I have do. to be a new one.
2: I do. A book... Well, I guess... Do you know? What? I've just got to just double check. Is is even so? Have you ever heard of a book called My Mother's Cupboard? Um, um, no, I haven't. No. Um, I think right. So let's have a. I hope my memory is right here. It's Anna Fox, okay. um, and it's a tiny, tiny little, like kind of really small palm-sized pink photo book. I'm just looking, and um, it's all about her parents. And and actually, she, the reason she photographs her mum's cupboards and and things that her father says and in the cupboards are like loads of pretty little objects like her plates or things in her dressing table or things like that and then next to it in italics is like really foul things that um her father says to her mum like um just really nasty stuff so it's the contrast and I remember buying that book at the photographer's gallery I think about 20 years ago or something and it's just one that's always stayed with me. And I think it's interesting, I guess, because it's about subjects, isn't it? It's like photographing objects that are personal to somebody. And it's, it was just a sim- very simple way to tell a very, um, yeah, tough mm. story, I guess.
1: I I, co- I caused uh, I, oh, a funny side note. I caused a, a Facebook shit show this week because I, I, I wrongly, I wrongly quoted Alex Soth. And I, I said that, Alex Soss said that uh, photography and poetry shouldn't coexist. But he did. At the end of it, he said shouldn't coexist in in a photo book, he said. And because they're did too he? similar. Yeah, because uh, they're too similar.
0: Yes. Yeah. Not only did you get his quote wrong, you also got his name wrong. His name Alec, Alex.
1: Yeah, Alex. All right. All right. Alex, <laughs> Alex, you want the difference? Eh? Potato, potato. <laughs> no wonder people were throwing their shit fit. <laughs> but, but actually, it was a really interesting, like, the, the response from... It was really varied, but but obviously because like people thought it was a stupid question because I said why shouldn't they coexist in not not in a photo book, but I I I, I like I really like that photography, photography and poetry are there is a similarness, isn't it? There is a they both do a similar thing, and one is with words and one is with yeah. pictures.
2: But I guess I think the title of this book actually was I'm just looking here is my mother's covers and my father's words. And I don't, it's not that they're, they're actually things that he literally said. So I think she sort of documented. Um...
0: She must've just followed him around with a pad and pen. I've, I've just yeah, been having too. a quick I'll look on her
1: look. website. Yeah. yeah. She's got some plates in a the cupboard There's... and it says, you should be fried in hot
0: oil.
2: That's it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's great. Wow, that's a strong comment to make about someone as well. Sorry, I shouldn't even be laughing. I'm there. just laughing because I, d- I don't really know why why you would even say that. No, yeah,
2: I guess um, it's like I think also I like the way the zines produced. Like it's just tiny, stapled together, but it packs a big punch when you open it. You know, it's not like um, there's another one. Other book that I've really love reading at the moment. I've got it here actually. Um, can you see
0: sorry you might have to read so it this out
2: this is by a photographer and i can't pronounce his surname but i saw a talk with him recently called jeff M- mermelstein mermelstein, mermelstein yeah mermelstein, yeah and um he's be- he was busy photographing um people read like you know on their mobile phones so he was yes. photographing all of their messages yes and i've then... seen
1: that i've seen that it's great isn't it oh, over the it. shoulder right it's amazing yeah.
2: And you sit and read it, it's just like, a, it's obviously a photo project, but it's like a story, it's life stories in there. And I remember seeing it on Instagram and I think he got into, I don't know whether his page got shut down for a bit or he got, people were really kind of questioning the ethics behind it. But I remember thinking it's really clever, like as a document of our time.
1: It, I think it is. Really yeah, I think it's really clever too. It's I fair. think it's really smart.
0: I don't know how you get away with it though, because Nico, i um, oh sorry, it wasn't Nico, it was Luke luke saxon um chloe I, I don't think we were actually recording at the time um chloe also knows luke luke was telling us a few weeks back that someone actually punched him on the street for allegedly taking a photo he, he didn't even take the photo mm-hmm. um they they said that he he'd taken a photo of some guy's girlfriend and got a black eye for it god knows what would happen if someone caught you taking a photo of the text messages that you're sending to your drug dealer do you know what I mean like I
2: don't (laughs) know how he did it either I I guess um well he didn't really talk when I uh, listened to his talk he didn't really talk too much about actually how he did it um gingerly yeah interesting you would imagine I mean if someone was leaning over your shoulder I guess he zoomed in a bit because the pictures are a little bit they're not super sharp um yeah but no that's something that's a book that I love again it's uh objects i guess
0: it's like really interesting mm. isn't it
2: definitely and uh, for another shout out to a photographer someone's work who i really like um is a, i've been following uh, somebody called nick roach um yes yes
1: the veggie is it the veggie one yeah. 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 yeah yeah i think yeah, his yeah. works
2: um i think he's one to watch like his works yes again story driven and really beautiful but very intense um that's someone else's work i've been following there's loads, really. I mean, i again. I remember I said to you earlier, my recall. I'm
0: yeah, an em- embarrassment of riches. <laughs> yeah.
2: was, um,
0: no, well, you've you've gone from not being sure to having three so far. We're... So, so I've, I think we're for I are spoiled the choice. Just kind of like listening to you, um, Chloe. Carry on, carry on. Give me some more. <laughs> <laughs> well i'll have to set up a little group chat you can just spoon feed us the uh the impressive stuff that you're finding because lord knows i can't find oh,
2: it oh gosh on um like you mean on an instagram all the the people that are there or just interesting people that you have yeah. found well so, someone you might know of um who follows Easybee, byron oh
0: uh, no
2: um, no um i love his work he's up north and again um yeah follow him stephan hey. byron easy he's on there just beautiful use of um, his eye for colour. It's just great.
1: I got one more question for you. I was going to ask earlier and I forgot. And the line between street photography and documentary photography. Because I, I spent about 10 years being Like the first thing I, that it appealed to me in photography was being out on the street and taking pictures of candidly of, of things that I found interesting. Whether that was people or buildings or whatever. But... In in the last couple of years, I think I've tried or, uh, I don't know, tried is wrong, but yeah, tried to be more documentary photographer where it's much more honest and Mm. less candid. And if I was taking a portrait, I'd spend the time to chat with the person instead of just taking the picture. Mm. And I think something that me and Dan have talked about is something happens when you switch from being a candid street photographer to being a more documentary photographer. And and that's the intent. And and do you think do you think when you look at street photography and documentary photography, the one has more? And not power is the wrong word, but one that connects more. I suppose is what I'm looking is the question. And because uh, I I I'll be honest with you, I I felt as, as a street photographer that it got a bit boring. That I was doing what everybody else was doing. That it was. And I know there's there's a few like the outliers that are really unique and have an incredible. But but if you look at Instagram as a as a whole, it kind of a lot of the work seems to be replicated. Is is kind of, and this street repeat this thing that have you seen street repeat? That's an amazing. Like, no. it, is,
2: is that a page?
1: Yeah. So street repeat basically thing. is basically the things that street photographers do that are the same. So they'll pick a theme, like you know. A street photographer looking through a hole, and then she'll. Sh- other people have shot the same thing, and it's it's yeah. really good. It's really she's like in Holland. I can't think of the name
2: street of the girl. I'm going to look yeah, but it's up. really
1: good. Um So yeah, that was that was a bit of a meandering question. Apologies, but yeah, do you think like it's not it's not the which the, the, is one more powerful than the other? But there's one because of the way that you approach the work. Does it resonate? Does it? Does it have more meaning, I suppose, is a question, do you think?
2: Um, I guess documentary photography and long-form projects, and yeah, they probably, um, yes, oh, I don't know. The, the thing is, with street photography, street photography is almost looked down upon a little bit by some people. I'm glad you
1: said that, because I thought that. I, I've gauged that from from just, like, my own like looking at street photography and doing it yeah. and then realizing that actually it is a bit frowned upon, isn't it? It is a bit looked down it's upon. A bit, and- but
2: I think it, one thing is I've always, I really love it. And I think there's a place for both. And I I think that um, if you imagine a time where we, imagine if we sort of weren't able to record life on the streets, you wouldn't have a record. I think I remember, I've said this before, that there wouldn't be this like record made by us about our streets it would probably, the only stuff that would exist would be now CCTV footage, which is by the authorities. And so street photography, certain types of street photography sh- definitely it shouldn't be looked down upon or frowned upon. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I love street photography, really. Um, I guess you're saying that one's, doc- documentary photography and in, like more in-depth storytelling, um, it's just a different thing, isn't it? Do you, th- do you think
1: ethically okay so i'll give you a ethically to me it got to a point where i it felt like it wasn't i wasn't i wasn't being honest to who i was as a person yeah. I, I i didn't feel kind street photography didn't feel kind i suppose right it feels like yeah. you're you are a voyeur and you're these people don't know that i'm taking a picture and, and sometimes you can be taken you can take an unflattering picture of somebody and choose to post it if you want if you're that type of person or that way inclined but ethically it just felt Uncomfortable in sometimes, and, I, I, and it's taken me like ten years of doing it to get to that point, you know. Yeah. And, and, and reading about it, and, and again, like you, i I've noticed that in some like a street photography, that's what oh, i doing. That What's the, why are you wasting your time? And I, I, I suppose it's it's. I don't know, I don't know if everybody will get to that point where I got to it. Like I felt uncomfortable. I got to a point where I felt uncomfortable taking street photos. Whereas when I moved to a slightly more documentary based approach, that those worries about ethics, and it felt more, felt more honest, and I felt more connected to the work as as myself. Like I, I'm spending the time, willing to have a conversation with these people, and and yeah. and, and some days I go out without the camera and I just chat to people. Like, do you think I was a bit weird? Like, but yeah. I think there's something from that experience of 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 that, and it's 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 a minor, it's a, it's such a minor tweak, right? And it's just the difference between intent and having the ability to stop and talk to somebody versus I'm just going to take your picture. I'm just going to, I don't care really what you think. I'm going to take it. Um, And the the ethics of it just bothered me. It got to a point where I felt uncomfortable. And I don't, and and it's weird now, like I said, I did, sorry, I I spoke to Dan. I did a project in Soho a couple of weeks ago for um, somebody who's got like a WeWork going up like an office building that they rent them out desks. And they said, "Do you want to go around Soho and just sh- shoot Soho street, street esque, you know?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. I hadn't because I hadn't done it for eighteen months, mm-hmm. and it was like this joyous, that, like amazing. It's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is wonderful!" And I got a real buzz <laughs> out of it. But but I, I do I, I I do battle with the idea of, and sometimes I'm really okay with it. And other times I think, "Well, why?" And I, 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 the bigger problem was this idea of long form. How do I create? a long form project through a bunch of street photographs that they're either the only thing that really uh, that um, brings them together is location. Like that's the only thing, right. And they shot in London or they shot on the tube or they shot in Shoreditch. The only thing that was holding the narrative together was where the location was yeah. they were shot. And, and I suppose that, that was the issue for me. I, maybe I'm just, again, talking rubbish, but
2: <laughs> no, no, um. I guess, yeah, no, the ethics of it I agree with because I've like um, all projects that I've done, like most of them when people are in, I've spent time with them you know, they know they're having their picture taken Um, but I'm also a fan, I do like um, you know like I know lots of people are a bit like Bruce Gilden, street photography all that kind of busy people's like, you know what's it, shooting from the hip and it's all kind of quite like the aesthetics of all of that but I also know that if I was to find my you know picture of me my nose you know someone shooting at the hip picture of me eating a sandwich down the street my nose you know camera out my nose if I was if I was in a book and I hadn't had no one had asked me that was big a dps of me looking like you know that look when you look in a kettle or something and you find it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and in fact there's a couple of street photographers in Brighton I remember saying to one of them um Nick I was like not Nick this is different Nick but I was like um I knew that he was taking pictures on Queen's Road for a few months and I was working near there and I said I do not want to um see myself <laughs> like i was you know aware was of, like when i was hurting up quick right? time with bags and stuff could end up in one so no it's yeah the ethics of it i am um, if you feel uncomfortable doing it as a photographer then i guess you shouldn't
1: do it right. do it as just are it to you
2: yeah but i think that um so some street photographers that i speak to like there was a guy um who i used to chat to a lot sadly he died actually matthew lewis but he used to take the pictures and then tell the people afterwards. Everyone he'd taken pictures of in the street, so it was candid. But then he would say, Here's your photo, this is what I've done, and this is why I'm doing it. Um another guy um called Charlie Quay, um, who did this great project. I know. Charlie's yeah, I love like... his business district one. He had a card as well. So he would um show a card and say, This is I'm making this work. Um I don't know whether he did it before I think he probably did it afterwards as well. So I guess um, both people had ethics in mind there. Of that, and interestingly, Matthew, the guy who um, sadly died, um, he had this battle as well. He wanted to go on and do more long form documentary and spend more time with people. Um, so yeah, no, it is. It's an issue, isn't it? You're taking mm-hmm. a picture of somebody that um,
1: doesn't want or, or doesn't know their picture has been taken, but. No. Then, I mean, Joel, Do you know Joel Kohlberg, like he writes, he wrote a really interesting article on the ethics of street photography. And I think that was the bit that, that um, just begin, began to make me think about what I, I was doing as a street He, he just calls, like, so there's, there's two types of, um, calls it pa- passive surveillance. So the idea that we're, we're being photographed and filmed all the day anyway, right? So you go out, your see CCTV hmm. camera, you go into a shop, you're on CCTV yeah, yeah. and and there's the other the other type, and I can't think what he called it. But and, and his argument was basically that as uh, it's okay to be a street photographer and do what we do, but we've also got to educate the public on what we're doing because yeah. if if we if we don't, then we're complicit in this awkward idea. That's a stuff.
2: really interesting point. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it is, isn't it?
1: Mm, I
2: I I think. Yeah, I, you I, know I, that really. I,
1: yeah, I do. I I I think it's something that. Like, if you follow, I I first got into street photography because I saw Bruce Gilden's work and I was like, wow, can you actually do that? Can you put a camera in somebody's face and take a picture and not give a fucking shit about it? And he's like, there's a video of him in New York and I'm going to do my great New York accent. And he's walking down the street and he's like, takes a picture and some guy gives him a hard time. He goes, it's not a fucking gun, it's a camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, I loved that. I thought, oh my God, it was like so, like, liberated. It was like, wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, and, and, and it kind of... You oh, get, if he did that to me, I would chase him down the street. I wouldn't want my picture, like...
0: You know that guy got punched a bunch. I
2: don't know right? if he <laughs> did.
1: I don't know if he would, though, because he's so, like, he's like, he owns the space that he walks in. Like, he feels like, you know... <laughs>
0: I don't know. There's so many guns floating around in America. I don't think it matters how intimidated or confident you are. There's going to be somebody that's more intimidating or more confident than you. That's
1: amazing. Even considering how many guns there are in America, that he has that abrasive, like I, I, this is, it's it's a bit like like Bernadette saying, we talked to an artist called Bernie, um, last, this week, actually. Um, Last week. And it's about that, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the, the, the commitment to believe in what
0: the, the motivation the drive, the drive, yeah, to
1: drive the bus through and and still do the work even though like at any moment you could be shocked i think that's kind of a uh,
0: i mean i'm saying this with like no experience to back it up but i don't know for me i think it's just that intent mm-hmm. right it's it's what what are you actually trying to do what are you trying to say and then i guess it just depends how it falls out from there and maybe you're a charlie quiet type guy where you're leaping out at people with like a like a proper fishing jacket on full of flashes and stuff and just jamming a camera in someone's face or or maybe or maybe you're doing something a bit more softly softly jackets i don't know if he would do they see i've i've seen a video Does of him doing one? it in bright orange yeah oh,
2: wow.
0: i don't know i don't know um, it wasn't a long video, but it was it was just him leaping out at people in like the I think it was like London yeah. City Centre, corralling people across a pavement like this <laughs> with with a flash in one hand and a camera in the other. Very Bruce Gilden esque. Yeah. Um, maybe it was just though, for a show. Maybe it's like it was-
2: not everybody achieves those that type of. It- no.
0: Yeah. No. That's uh, I guess that's that's like again, that's a bare way of putting what I was trying to say. I think it totally depends on what your intention is, and I don't know that one's right and one's wrong. They agree. I think it just de- it just depends what what yeah. you're trying to say agree there are people out there that recall brutal death metal and there are other people that recall really really nice jazz and you know they're both music they're both expressions that you might not like mm-hmm. one of them, but they're, they they're allowed to exist right it doesn't It doesn't matter whether or not you like it someone out that's there does That's true
2: um a few years ago, I was sitting in um a coffee shop in Brighton and there's like it's um there's a road. So the, so basically the seats are like street level. So you're kind of like sitting in the, ba- a, bit on, a bit kind of like under the ground a bit. So on the street, you can just sort of see down on people. And I was sitting with my laptop right. editing stuff, actually editing um, street photography and things for something, working in a cafe. And um, I turned around and then there was a guy kneeling on the, the floor in the window with his camera, like right in, at me. And my immediate response was literally, I told him to fuck, fuck off kind of thing and waved my hand at him. And then I thought, oh, look, I'm editing street photography. And, and, like, and he's there with a the camera.
0: And you're in a street yeah. photograph. And
2: I thought to myself, I either look like, um, you know, I have a stylish coffee, you know, drinking coffee in a cafe or like some odd, you know, <laughs> oddball character that street photographers find. <laughs> generally they think oh that's an interesting person let's take a picture of them but um yeah he just scurried off and the thing was is like if he'd have come back and said you know i've just taken this picture or like who knows
0: i think it's the scurrying
1: off that's the problem yeah it's a scurry isn't it it is it is all in (laughs) it is all in like how you behave before and after right like if and that's what i mean i think and i think I suppose it's just being honest to yourself and true to who you are as a person. And hopefully that like, will show in your work. That's that's kind of what you're trying to do, right? Is trying to, trying to, in in a cryptic, sometimes confusing, disorientating, maybe even way, like visually to show who, who Jono is, who Daniel Higginson is and who I am Mm -hmm. by the images we make. I think that's what we're all trying to do, right? And, and trying to get through, it's confusing this world, right? It's complicated. It's not straightforward and it, it's not black and white. It's, it's, it's shades of.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And then with, um, the, I think photographing the rubbish is also a bit of a release for me. Like I kind of like, I've always spotted details and things ever since I was tiny. And I think um, now I found this thing where I can just, right. so if I spot something, oh, I can take a picture of it because I've spotted it. Well, and it's sort of, it's kind of like helps. Yeah, just making sense of the world um maybe that's what i've been sort of doing in a way in a weird way
0: i think that's a beautiful place to to end today's podcast thank you everybody for listening i'll try and link everything in the show notes obviously go and check out chloe juno's work uh on on instagram and and definitely check out documenting britain and go, go and buy a print remind me what the, the print cool. was draw 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 go go and buy some prints and check back in with us next week. Who, who are we talking to next week, Paul? Uh, do you remember? Roman, right? So next week we'll be talking well, to Roman. So <laughs> uh, he's going to love the fact that you've ended this with a <laughs> not, not even a French accent, just like a one of those <laughs> a marginally French noise. Nice to meet
2: you, both. Thank, Thank you very you.
0: much. Really lovely to meet really you. To be here. Thank you. Thank you, Paul.
1: Really interesting. It is. It's really, really kind of you. I know we um, sometimes, you know, Dan can come across as a bit of a loser and yous, but <laughs> I'm all right.
2: <laughs> so, this is my first one, and I was nervous. So, I'm, yeah, I think I'm happy to say yes to someone else who asks maybe next time. So,
1: no, it was really good. It was really lovely. I really enjoyed it.